Welcome to the inaugural episode of Catching Foxes on LayEvangelist.com. Catching Foxes is a weekly discussion show on all things culture and the impact that it has on our faith, especially for young adults. My name is Michael Gormley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Luke. Say hello to the nice folks, Luke. Hey guys, this is the first episode, the best episode, the most wonderful episode, the happiest episode, the scariest episode, the most episodic episode of Catching Foxes. I am the co-host Luke, with me is my buddy Gomer, and we're here, just two average 30-year-old white dudes here to talk about faith and culture. I'm sure you've never heard anything like this before, and Squarespace, we're waiting on your sponsorship. Oh, Luke, that was wonderful. Your intro was so long before you actually said the title of the podcast, I didn't think you were going to get to it. Your words hurt. (laughs) It's because I'm a bastard. Anywho, so this is a podcast with two white males in their 30s. Never been done before. Like Luke said, there is no other place where two white males in their 30s are talking about a podcast. I didn't even look at the notes. (laughs) Yeah, not even a little bit. Um, But uh, me and Luke uh, are avid nerds. Um, Yeah, I'm more of a a cultured individual than Luke. Uh, Luke, uh, he's a bit of a wild child. I like modern jazz. Um, (laughs) <laughs> like freeform jazz. I have a song that I love that solves Kill the self that wants to kill yourself Oh, that's awesome that's uh, Anywho, and so we're going to be talking about um, Everything that pertains to what it means to live as a Catholic young adult in the world today This means that we're not just talking about church topics, right? We're talking about life, culture, um, and probably a lot of Marvel comic book movies We're talking about uh, gay marriage, abortion, the pre-sex abuse scandal. We're hitting all the major topics. We're talking about race, race relations within the church, the experience of all that stuff. We just want to cover a bunch Budweiser's of Budweiser's stupid attack on craft beers. I mean, I fully, I'm in the Budweiser camp. Are you serious? Oh, it's right. It's you so, are. It's so You're much disgusting. better than craft beer. I'm um, just kidding. If you are a person who doesn't enjoy the occasional swear word or joke about genitalia um, might not be the best show for you. If you do like that stuff at a PG 13 level, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Also, Luke came up with this idea for this podcast. So we have been talking about doing something together for a while. And uh, I love podcasts. I listen to literally every week dozens of podcasts. And someone said, ooh, what different Catholic podcasts do you listen to? And I get really nervous because I don't really listen to any Catholic podcasts. Uh, I listen to technology and Apple podcasts. If you want to know about the Apple Watch, give me a call. Um, But uh, actually, there are two podcasts that I listen to pretty regularly that are Catholic. Um, One is Father Michael Schmitz's homilies, bulldogcatholic.org. Phenomenal priest at a... Uh, University of Minnesota in Duluth, and he gives these great homilies, and he records them and posts them out on the web and does all this cool stuff with it. The other one is Father Robert Barron, the man from the behind the Catholicism series and Word on Fire on YouTube, um, and he gives like these cool little reflections that are pretty much no more than 15 minutes long once a week. So those are the only Catholic things I listen to, and I just really wanted to make a show. I wanted a show, and so Luke called me up one day we've been friends since college since what like the third day of college yeah back when right. you had your uh deftones hat and your scary shirt and your growl on your face because you never spoke to anyone 
<laughs> which is so funny because I'm so lovable. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that is weird. Um, we'll talk about that later. But why don't you tell the um, all the ladies uh, who you are, Luke? Well, uh, my name is Luke. I'm on Twitter. And you can't say your last name because <laughs> your, your place of employment will shoot you. You know what's so funny is I was like, sure, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, so I am... <laughs> Yeah. What am I not allowed to say? <laughs> Pretty much. That's what's happening. When I could say anything I want, it was so great and free and crude. Um, so what do I want you people to know about me? I'm awesome. I enjoy jazz and French food. I have a fiance named Aaron who is fantastic. And I'm tired of all the crap I'm seeing on Facebook. And I want to have some real freaking conversations. And I'm on Twitter at TheLukeV. Five dollars if you know where that's from. Oh, man, you should not have said that. Uh, And I'm Gomer. Um, Nickname, of course. My parents weren't that cruel. Uh, I work full-time at a parish. Uh, So we both work for the church, but in totally different capacities. I work uh, in a parish setting. I did youth ministry for eight years, and now I'm doing adult faith formation. Uh, And so what that kind of gives me a little glimpse on the inside of parish work. But also I have a separate ministry, layevangelist.com. Or on Twitter, you can find me at Lay Evangelist. And uh, I travel around. The, I used to tell people that I'm a national speaker, but now I tell them I'm international because I've been to Canada twice. So that's a thing. Emily's going to love so, that. Uh, who is this Emily? But uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Your sister. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been to America's Top Hat a couple times. So very excited about Canada. Um, yeah, and so basically my big thing is I do, I still talk to a lot of youth, do a lot of youth events, but now I'm parish missions and all that stuff with adults. Uh, And we're just kind of seeing similar trends, similar things around the country. So what we wanted to do was create something cool. So uh, we came up with this fantastic title that is so obscure, uh, 90% of the people would never know what it comes from. So Luke, why don't you tell them the good people, where does Catching Foxes come from for the title of our podcast? You know, I'm glad you asked that because... I'm glad we scripted this <laughs> no, out. This is the most scripted, stiff thing we've done so far. Just kidding. It's fine. Hello. Kids. I am a robot. Where does the title of my robot come from? Two handsome white males in their 30s take talking on a pot. Um, all right. So where does the term catching foxes come from? It comes from one of the best albums ever, Catch for Us, The Foxes, by the phenomenal band Me Without You. Uh, they really, in my opinion, are one of the few indie rock bands out there that can truly classify it as fine art. I think it's fantastic. And they have a song called catch for us, the foxes, which is where the title of the show comes from. And it's basically the idea of, uh, help us God help, like help us try to learn and understand like what's good. What's what's wrong. Catch those foxes that are out trying to, devour us and if we don't go into the darkness and bring light onto our own darkness or the or the darkness that we experience how can we expect for those foxes to be caught gomer how can we expect for those foxes to be caught um can i just add one thing about that Uh, i totally agree it was uh uh released in 2004 catch for us the foxes um Phenomenal, phenomenal music from Tooth and Nail Records. Luke Gregory. Oh man, I almost said your name. I almost <laughs> said your last name, and that's a rule that I'm not. It's allowed rule to number say. one. <laughs> it's literally rule number one. No last name. Um, so, uh. anywho, the Me Without You band 
Catch for Us the Foxes, the name of the song is not Catch for Us the Foxes. I'm sorry. Oh, Luke, you are the one that turned me on. I know. Number one, I could just stop there. You turned me on. (laughs) But number two, you turned me on to this band that has changed my life. I would literally print out the lyrics and go into adoration with them as a prayer. Um, But this one is from, isn't it the Soviet? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me. So at one point in the song, the Soviet, he screams out, good God, please catch for us the foxes. So um, for me, the reason why this title is perfect for me is, uh, I mean, I, I think it's awesome, is because Catch for Us the Foxes comes from the second chapter of Song of Songs, where um, when I was 18 years old, um, up until that time, I was a super devout Catholic. Um, I would say I was devout to my church. I was devout to the idea of Jesus, but I did not have, or I had a very, um, a very infantile, very bare bones, basic beginner's understanding of what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? So I didn't really have a big relationship with Jesus, but I had a relationship with the church. I had Catholic boy that I put on fr- on the front windshield of my truck uh, <laughs> when I was 16 years old, because that's what you do. And uh, living in Texas, you have a truck. So it was just awful. Um, there was so much about me that was my identity was rooted in knowing all the things <laughs> about being Catholic. Um, so one day I go on this retreat where I'm in Denver. It's this retreat where you like do work stuff during the day for the elderly and the needy um, who cannot do like people are going to get evicted from their homes because they're, you know, they got overgrown stuff mm-hmm. and garbage and they're just infirm. So they can't pick it so up. So you're actually doing real actual take, work on, the, on, on that. Yeah. Yeah. So during the day we do the work and in the evenings we would, um, in the evenings, we would uh, have a retreat, and part of it was one day they had adoration, and I'm the guy that would run and go get my pleated khakis every time we're having mass, you know, even though I, before and after mass, I would be working out in the hot sun during the summer, you know, and I, I have to wear, I have to be prim and proper and Sunday best for everything, and then so Why, how adoration comes in. I know, I know. Well, I'm still yeah, kind of no, like yeah. that, but. Uh, you are. Sweater best. Yes, now it's a cardigan. Um, But uh, they brought out a podium because they didn't have anything other than that. They covered it with an altar cloth, and they put the monstrance right on top with a consecrated host, the Eucharist. And I went in front of it, and I knelt down for like 10 minutes, and it was the world's most difficult thing. I sat down in front of the Eucharist. I have never sat down in adoration before at this point. I've always knelt the whole time. And so I sat down, and I said, Lord, I'm not moving until I meet you. And I read Song of Songs. I read it like 20 times, then chapter 2 stood out to me. I read that like 40 times, and then chapter 2, verses 8 through 17, 17 is the end of it. Um, through reading that, I believe God gave me uh, a, a whispering as to what that verse meant for me in my life, and it radically changed my life, and I went home knowing not only that Jesus Christ was real, not just an idea, not just Santa Claus, a thing we use to scare our children to do good and avoid evil, but that... Uh, Jesus Christ was in love with me, that he actually knew me, knew the worst parts about me, and he loved me because of it, in spite of it, through it, whatever you want to say. And uh, the ending of that part from Song of Songs chapter 2 is, um, basically says, I am my beloved's, uh, I am my lover's and he is mine, um, so let us browse among the lilies uh, till the day breeze cool and the shadows lengthen and catch for us the foxes. 
um, that damage the vineyard for our vineyard is in bloom. So the vineyard is supposed to be symbolic of the love. And then yet there are still things in the midst of this love relationship that damage the vineyard. So catch for us. And it's like you're exclaiming to God, catch for us these foxes. So for me, it was a huge part of my spiritual life. I got married with that reading in my in my wedding. Didn't we, um, it's meant a we lot. We play that me. song at your reception, right? Uh, no, we played another Me Without You song called In a Sweater Poorly oh, Knit. Oh, man. So good. Which is such a good song. It's I so heard good, that right? say so, yesterday. So, oh, no. Uh, it, was, it, it was last night, and I was doing the dishes, and actually kind of... So the chorus goes, I do not exist, only you exist. I do not exist. And I was kind of like meditating upon that. It's powerful. Sorry. Go on. Sure. But the funny thing was at my wedding, me and my wife planning for our wedding six years ago, almost six years ago, we uh, we only got in fights about two things. The guest list, because I wanted more friends than family. Mm-hmm. And it was in her hometown where it's all family. And I don't really know a lot of my extended family. I didn't grow up anywhere near them and didn't have enough money to go travel to Philadelphia and visit them and stuff. So um, I wanted a lot of my friends. And she's like, when was the last time you talked to them? I was like, when was the last time you talked to your great aunt? <laughs> <laughs> so so that was one point that we got into. And the other one was over music, and it was over me including one Me Without You song. And she's like, no one dances to that. I said, it's not about dancing. It's not like people dance the entire time. Well, at our wedding, people danced the literally time. the entire time. Everyone had a blast. It was one of the just the genuinely fun weddings. Yeah. But in the middle of it, the Me Without You song comes on, played off my iPhone, and the, whole, and the entire dance floor cleared. Uh, as if that was a, like Shannon had planned it was, that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, it was like, I can remember it because everyone was there. We were so excited, and it was like, you, everyone just was gone. They, you know what? But it was great because that told everyone it's time to go to the bathroom <laughs> and let Michael and Luke have their thing. <laughs> And we did. We had our thing all over that dance floor. Yeah, it was a glorious um, thing. It was awful. And then f- to this day, Shannon's like, I told you. And I just t- say to her, and I told you. I didn't play that song so people would <laughs> dance to it. The guy talks, screams, and uh, I don't know, kind of sings throughout the whole song. It's not a dancing <laughs> song. Well, not that kind of dancing. Um, anywho, so... For everyone listening, uh, we're going to have a couple things set up. We're going to have a website. Um, but right now, the only way to get in touch with us is through Twitter. So uh, you're at, Lu- at the Luke the, and I'm at AMD Gomer or Lay Evangelist at Lay Evangelist. So you can do that. But we also have one for the podcast. Luke, tell them what it at is. At C, that is the letter C, at C Fox's podcast. At C Fox's podcast, hit us up. We're, we already have twenty one followers somehow, so thanks. <laughs> well, I know that three of them are you, and then my two Twitter handles. And, so, uh, uh, and basically, a few of our friends from college. But there's a good. We have like seven people that I have no idea who who they are, and I was like, all right, <laughs> we're doing something. Yeah, the uh, yeah, it's pretty. I'm excited. So, um, we already have uh, angry at angry Catholic uh, who's. Twitter image is uh, the Incredible Hulk wearing a priest um, Roman collar. Uh, he's actually a friend of mine. He's really funny. Uh, great, great guy. Um, but he sent us a handful of questions. We would love for people to chime in, tell us what you want to hear to uh, handsome white males in their 30s talking about on this podcast. Um, so if you know what uh, <laughs> what you want us to say or topics you want us to cover, feel free, please, will, uh, to send us. We will do your bidding. We will do your bidding. We will do your 
<clears throat> as you wish. Uh, <laughs> so um, today, Luke, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit behind your motivation uh, right now for this, for your rant, your all right. So thing. I listen to a lot of podcasts, like my buddy Gomer here, and I started to back in two thousand and seven, kind of get into it, and I was. So around, but around, I mean, it was, I was always kind of hit and miss. And then in 2008, I was working at a school and I was bored and I, and I read an article about a, a guy named Chris Hardwick and I was like, Hmm, as that guy from that show that I used to watch that I wasn't allowed to singled out. And he basically was talking about how he, his, he had a new podcast called the Nerdist Podcast. And I went and I checked it out and honestly, it kind of, I don't want to say it changed of my life, but it was huge. I fell in love with it, and I fell in love with podcast after after that. Got into the the podcast uh, WTF with with um, the comedian Mark Marin, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, I listen to tons of podcasts. Uh, Bad Christian is a podcast really expired. What what we are doing here. Tons of sports stuff. And if you were to look on the app that I use, Downcast, you'd see probably about 25 podcasts or so at any given point in time that I am perusing. And I realize I consume a ton. It's a little ridiculous. And and I really became convicted that I've got to start to give. I need to, be, I need to stop uh, uh, consuming and start producing. And it really did hit me because this is, I mean, we've, how long have we actually talked about doing a podcast? Gomer, you might be gone. Um, we've been talking about doing a podcast for a couple of years and, and just because of a bunch of stuff, it just never really happened. I almost started doing one with a like buddy of mine. We actually had a huge meeting about it and, we really um, and there was not a whole lot that came out of it, and I, I just I just kind of said, you know what, I've got to do this. I have to do this. I don't care if anyone doesn't uh, doesn't like listen. I have to do this because it was just on. It was put on my heart that I've got to give. I am consuming way more than I I am that I am giving, and and that. Um, really did hit me. And I love the quote from John Paul II where it says, be profoundly who you are. And that's one of the great things about podcasting is you get to talk with your friends just about stuff that you care about. You could just, just be you. And that's one of the things that we are trying to do. We're just trying to be us. We're trying to give stuff to the world. We're trying to create stuff because love is creative. It doesn't have to be a blog. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It doesn't have to be anything in the media, you just have to be you. And that's what this podcast is about. It's just us being us. This is honestly how we talk here is how we talk in everyday life. Probably kind of sad for people of our own age, but it is oh, what it is. And so I really hope you guys enjoy it. Please follow us on Twitter. Be involved. We want to talk about the things that you guys want to talk about. There's a lot of conversations going on right now with podcasts. And this show is our attempt to be a part of that conversation. So, yeah, that's my Absolutely. Yeah, I think the cool thing what you said is the connecting of being creative with love, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so we're to do all things with love. Um, And we genuinely 
we want to make things that are that are real, that are lasting, and that'll help people. And I think Luke, even this show, for the last you know twenty one minutes that we've been recording, I think we've helped a lot of You're people. You're welcome, world. You're welcome, world. Um, yeah. So if you, Luke, what do you think? Uh, what What do you think is more important though, right now, a podcast or a blog? Words written or words spoken? What do you think? Ooh. I'm going to go with blogging still, but only because I think that has been – it's done better than podcasting as, as a whole. Mm. Mm. You know, it was interesting in my fun Apple world, uh, there's this guy who uh, continually rants and raves about Apple products, and he's a developer. He writes my favorite podcast app. His name's Marco Arment, writes a podcast app called uh, – Overcast. He's famous for Instapaper, um, which is another app that I use every day. Um, he didn't run that anymore. He sold it off. But uh, he's a fascinating individual, just a very focused, talented person. But he, uh, he so he talks, I listen to their podcast, ATP.FM, all the time. And it's three guys that talk about Apple and technology and all this stuff. And um, they talk, they rag on Apple all the time, even though they're Apple fans. Uh, but he decided to write a blog post kind of based off the conversation that they had in one of their talks. And one guy took that blog post from Valley Wag, which is a Silicon Valley thing, and uh, talked about how, ooh, the Apple faithful, the blind, blind yeah. faithful Apple people are getting, you know. And then all of a sudden, the next day, it's being quoted on CNN. And uh, he's being called for interviews and all this stuff. And he's like, I talk about this stuff all the time on my podcast, but blogs are like articles, you know, people just go and it's easy to share, you know, you can tell, Hey, it's the third paragraph where if you're listening to a podcast, it's like, Oh, it's minute 23. You know, I think, mm -hmm. I don't know. No, I, I think podcasting, honestly, at this point in time is more important. I think that, um, blogs are done well now just because they've been, they've been around for, I mean, gosh, almost at least I'd say 15 years but um we live in a, a society that loves small bite-sized in, information and that is a disservice to um the to the to the issues that uh, that we face and i think podcasting is perfect to really talk and dive into the different uh, dynamics of those of life Right? Yeah. Huh? Right? 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 Right. Yeah, I agree. I think podcasts are important because uh, there, so many people commute and you can't read or you shouldn't be reading while you're commuting. Why not have two handsome white males in their 30s talking on a podcast, which has never been done before, to you? I think that's You're welcome, awesome. world. You're welcome, world. You're welcome, commuters. Um, so part of uh, one of the things that I do is I, I like to write. I, I don't write often. I don't write as often as I want. Um but I really do try to write. I used to be one of those people in college where all the other people, when they had to write their papers, they would widen their margins. <laughs> <laughs> I was the guy that shrank my margins. Um, I had the perfect way <laughs> of widening. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone had their own things. I'll never forget a guy I was in an econ class with, and we had to turn in these one-page reflection papers or reaction papers to an economic news story. And his was um, in Courier New, which is a mono-spaced font, which is like, super mm -hmm. wide. He, he used Courier New, and he used like – supposed to use one-inch margins, and he used like two-inch margins. So he literally had four words a line. 
And the teachers accepted it. (laughs) (laughs) I do not get that. Meanwhile, I wrote it instead of doing 10 one-page reflection papers, I did three and then one seven-page paper on, um, what was it, centesimus annus on modern labor economics. God help me. Um, well, I'm so, sorry. I, anyhow, I fell asleep I like... for a bit. Go on. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I like <laughs> economics a lot. My fiance has her undergrad in economics. That's nice. You know, it was really funny about you falling asleep. I actually went to the bathroom where you were doing No, your, I did because I asked you a freaking question. Oh, man. I had to go so bad. I, I couldn't help <laughs> Because it. we could edit this and they could just go, oh, I'll wait. Anywho, so <laughs> I love to write, Luke, and I also like to go to the bathroom. I'm just kidding. So I love to write. And so in my blog, I got this blog going. And the the only thing I wanted to talk about today, kind of set up, I feel like it's going to be a reoccurring theme for us, is the idea of what are we doing as Catholics, like as a church, or as a collection of individuals, as a church, as a whole, as a as a parish, as a diocese. You can interpret it in whatever way you want. I don't know exactly how we're going to we're going to kind of approach it. You know, we can talk about all different stuff because we have experience. I have experience as a one man show traveling around doing retreats and stuff like that. I also work for churches. I've done diocesan things. Um, and you know, used to be the principal of a Catholic school. We can, you know, talk about all these different things from actually a, just between the two of us, kind of a wide range of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, one of the things that really bothers me is the total lack of parishes' commitment to evangelization. And when I say evangelization, I mean that initial proclamation of the person of Jesus Christ and the basic gospel message. Because most people don't know who Jesus is. They, I mean, they don't know. I mean, they, this is. I always say this whenever I talk to people um, who are Catholic in name only, or who go to mass at most once a month, at the probably more normally once or twice a year. Um, I say to them, you know, I, I know why you don't come because coming to Mass is it's boring. And if it's boring, it's not life-giving. And if it's not life-giving, when you travel, you're not going to seek it out. Um, when you're busy, you're not going to make time for it. Um, when things are going crazy in your life, you're going to be distracted away from it because it's boring. And why is it boring? So I began asking myself this question, like, why is everyone just so bored with Mass and why is it different for me? I mean, I've been bored plenty of times at Mass, but why is it different? Why does it feel different when I go to Mass? Um, <clears throat> and I realized that for me in particular, I was bored at Mass until I had that encounter with Jesus Christ in Song of Songs chapter 2. Like when that happened, it changed everything because I knew about the Mass beforehand. Like I wasn't ignorant about what was going on at Mass. I knew teaching on the Eucharist, teaching on the Gospels, you know, I was paying attention and all that stuff. But it just it wasn't life-giving. Um, because I realized everything about mass is external, it's memorized and it's repeated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we say the same prayers most of the time, uh, at least the lay people in the audience in the pews, excuse me, we respond with pretty much the exact same thing every week. We sing similar, you know, mass parts over and over again and all that stuff. And I realized for most people, it's external, it's memorized, and it's repeated. It sounds like factory work, you know, like my worship of my God is the same thing as building a spacely sprocket or something like that. And with so, your spirit. Um, <laughs> and also with your spirit. Oh. Um, and so what I wanted to do was to realize that for so many people, it's, it will, it, it's just that way. And so they're bored by it. It's not life-giving. So I began asking, well, how do I fix that with people? And the, the answer is kind of twofold. One is the first word, external. You got to make it internal. 
You got to make it about the drama that is going on within. It can't just be. I mean, we can we have memorized and repeated prayers so that we can pray them together out loud, right? Mm-hmm. That makes yeah, sense, yeah. right? <clears throat> That's why we have liturgy, which means a public work. But going deeper, it needs to be the words that we don't just say that we need to pray. So we need to actually pray the mass, not just say the words of the mass. Um, and Christ is adamant on this. He says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So what do we do with that? Well, we need to get our hearts close to Christ so that we can still honor him with our lips. Yeah, you know? I don't think we can do that until it has to come from a place of authenticity. Yeah. And the authentic, the most authentic thing about being Catholic uh, is not mass attendance. Yep. That's the most common thing that defines our Catholic identity, but that's not the most authentic thing. The most authentic thing is not a thing at all. It's a person. And Jesus that's the Christ. thing that's been stressed uh, by Pope Francis and Pope Benedict that it's an encounter with a, with a person, the person of Jesus. And I think an encounter with any, like one of the things that I've learned throughout my past, oh my gosh, now like 16 years of dating and now finally being engaged is that relationships are messy and it can be crazy and it can be amazing and it can be incredibly hard too. So it's just, it shouldn't be this like punch in, punch out. I'm, I'm done. I feel good. It should be hard. It, it should be challenging and should it also be amazing. Yeah. And uh, I want to connect that to what your, your rant was the part that I was here for and not in the bathroom for, um, <laughs> was uh, St. Pope John Paul II in his wonderful book, The Jeweler Shop, which is a play slash drama slash meditation on marriage. He has this one line where he's, they talk about the nature of love, and he says only one question is important. Is it creative? And when you think about the creativity, creativity is the anti-boredom. You can do tedious things, uh, like uh, I think of like a Swiss, Swiss watchmaker making small gears and all this stuff, it can be extraordinarily tedious, but at the same time, uh, they embrace it because it's part of what they love. They're in love with it. It's a creative mm-hmm. act. And so when we transfer that to the mass, for many people, if there is no love, then it is tedious. It is drudgery. It is boring. It is life-sucking, not life-giving. And so um, kind of my goal is 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 to restore the love. And there's only one thing. It's to connect individuals to Jesus Christ. It is to get people to have, to use the expression that our Protestant brothers and sisters kind of minted so well, is to get people to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, an encounter with a person, not just an idea, not just a collection of ideas. When I work with kids in um, public school, right, I tell them that many of us have seen, G- or you know, not just public school, but um, many of us see Jesus like Santa Claus, a myth our parents told us in order to get us to do good and avoid evil. And when Santa Claus went, that was probably around that time was the last time we actually studied the faith. So whereas our intellect, our intellectual capacity grew, our emotional maturity grew, all these other things, our actual, you know, our knowledge of science and math and history and all this stuff grew as we got older and went into high school and college, our knowledge about our faith stayed the same as that kid knowledge. It never grew up. And so when we became smarter, more sophisticated adults, we looked at the simple, simple understanding of religion and Jesus and all that stuff as 
when we were kids and we said, oh, well, that's stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. We sing songs like Jesus loves all the little children of the world and then we open up, you know, Time Magazine and see suffering and death of little children and we're like, well, does Jesus love these little children? You know, like, so what we need to do is actively engage adults in growing and knowing their faith, but most don't care. They don't care. And so what is our goal? I think our goal, even before we evangelize, is to pre-evangelize, like address why they left, address why it's not life-giving. Because for me, mass was boring until I had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Then mass became exciting. I can tell you that every time I go to mass, I might be tired, distracted, uh, angry at my kids who are doing, I don't know, somersaults <laughs> in the pews. I might be you know, distracted by a million things, but I know that the gospel is always real and that the Eucharist is always powerful. And whenever I receive the Eucharist or hear the gospel, I know that some better part within me has transformed, all right? That grace will still reach me. And, um, and, it, and it changes everything. Whereas if I didn't have that notion, if I didn't have a relationship with Christ, I'm just doing this cultural worship of God that I'm not familiar with. And I think most Catholics do that. That's why we skip. That's why we ditch. That's why we enter none on our, you know, that's why we write down none on applications that ask for our religious views, even though we were raised Catholic, we, uh, none. We're entering none land. So my rant is, is kind of over. I, I just really feel like um, one of the themes that I'm going to constantly hit on, you are a very creative person. I am a very... Um, handsome person, which is my only quality, I guess. Um, but no, I harp on evangelism. Evangel in the parish, evangelizes individuals, as a diocese, as a church as a whole. I love Pope Francis. I think he's trying to shift us into that, um, into that mode, into that way of thinking, out of maintenance and into mission. Your mercy, and it pisses a right, and it pisses a lot of people off because they want, they want maintenance. They want to be in maintenance mode right now. Uh, I'm going to end right now, but I just want to throw out a couple book titles for people. Get the book, Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples. It's phenomenal. Let that be the starting point. And right now I'm about 80 pages into Father James Mallon's Divine Renovation. He's a Canadian priest. Phenomenal. Boot. Phenomenal. Boot. Um, it, uh, it connects wonderfully. I would start with Forming Intentional Disciples, and then I would go to Divine Renovation. And the subtitle is Bringing Your Parish from Maintenance to Mission. And um, it's just really phenomenal. He talks about, like, the pre-sex abuse scandal from a priest perspective mm. and, like, an, you know, an innocent priest perspective. But um, he just talks about how people prefer uh, to be in maintenance mode. And to me, his, the best illustration of the whole book, totally worth the money, is the illustration he gives about the Titanic. He said that, when, did you know that when the Titanic sank and they launched the boats, um, there's, like, 18, 18 lifeboats. Um, not enough to save everyone's lives, but uh, there was like 475 spots open on the lifeboats, but they were launched empty. So in total, it, 475 people could have been saved, mm. but they weren't. They were left to die in the freezing water. It's because the wealthy got there first. And uh, some people, it was recorded that some of the wealthy, well-to-do people, they complained that they were um, that they were being inconvenienced by how many people were trying to get on their boat, and so the boats get in, and then they went far away from the Titanic. Then the Titanic sank and drug a lot of people down with them, and then it was you know 
half an hour, an hour, I can't remember how long into it, that some of the boats then was like, what the heck are we doing? Go back and go get these people. And by the time the boats recovered who they were, their identity as a lifeboat, um, they went back. Only nine people were able to were survive, uh, had survived. Only nine people out of the you know hundreds and hundreds in the water. And of those nine people, only seven actually lived. The other two died of hypothermia. So the idea is simply this, like the church, I don't want to say the church is the Titanic because I don't believe that. Every age the church is born anew. But um, we are witnessing one of the greatest mass exoduses from the church of mm-hmm. Catholics. Honduras, where I do a mission trip, used to be 90-something percent Catholic in the 70s. It is less than 70% Catholic today. Right? Thanks, James That's Cameron. A, uh, huh? Huh? I said, thanks, James Cameron, tying into the Titanic. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> James Cameron, who also funds evangelical mission trips to Honduras <laughs> um, with that Titanic money. Um, Not at all. He tried to prove that like, Christ had like a wife and kids. He's like, I'm yeah, going to change everyone's idiot. thoughts on Jesus. I'm James Cameron. Look at me go. By rehashing a tomb that had already been opened 30 years ago and disproved by the the Jewish faculty at Hebrew University. Okay, never mind. Um, anywho, uh, so, um, dude, you totally threw me off. Uh, the church <laughs> is not the Titanic in the sense that it's going to go down and everyone's going to die and it's all miserable and cold. Um but the reality is there parishes are sinking parishes are sinking and we have people in the pews who are don't want to be inconvenienced just think about easter sunday or um christmas where people are pissed off that they have to give up their pew to some you know twice a year person who shows up i come here every week how dare you you know and it's this i, I this thing of like no people are dying souls are being lost and we're comfortable sitting on our butts in these lifeboats away from people who desperately need it. And so my whole drive is to get people in the institutional church to become a missional church, to keep the institution, but to get out of maintenance mode, to realize that we need to do church differently. And so that's what my blog is about. That's what, um, that's what most of my talks lately have been about. Um, so Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples, Divine Renovation by Father James um, Mallon. Phenomenal books, phenomenal books. You should totally get it. Drink it down to the dregs. Um, anywho, um, so that ends that part of the show. I don't, I don't, I, I feel like, I feel like I could go on forever. No. And I probably will. No. <laughs> you know, um, I hope we get a lot of listeners, like a lot, like a lot like, like, like 15? I'm hoping, you know, 35. But I would really honestly, I would be thrilled if we had people who somehow got into the podcast or what we're doing because um, they thought what we're saying was interesting or maybe entertaining. We'll see. But, um, but I, I, I want people who don't agree with us to really uh, to um, be interested in what we are are what we are talking about, even if to just uh, prod us, ask us questions. I don't know. I, I I don't want this to be us preaching to the to uh, the choir. I don't even want this to be uh, us preaching. It's it's our emphasis, which we will probably uh, which we will probably. Uh, not always do. Anyways, is discussion over 
instruct them. So I really want to encourage uh, everyone, if you have anything, any questions or just thoughts, or if you think that this is awful, we should both just shut the hell up. Uh, please hit us at C Fox's podcast. Yeah. So um, the whole point discussion, not instruction. Uh, although I, I feel like I just instructed you all on evangelization. You're on a roll. It, Go, Gomer, go, Gomer, go. I'm the Vanilla Ice of the group. Well, (laughs) you are the Vanilla Ice. You're the Vanilla Icing on my cake. Let's end this by talking about the most important thing going on in the world right now. The Avengers? Uh, GeoCities. How do you feel? GeoCities. I didn't do it at the last one that we recorded. I got into every podcast. No GeoCities. Oh, man. Darn it. Man. Uh, so this on our inaugural episode, we have not recorded any other podcast except this one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, hey, no. this is, is the it, first hey. one where we have an outline. Yeah, I know. Was, <laughs> we usually just free form it. And then we said to ourselves, we should probably come up with an outline that guides our discussion because the first and second podcast that we recorded were both an hour and a half long. <laughs> it was good. I mean, it was good if you like suck. Um, <laughs> no, it was good if you enjoy awful things. And so this might seem a little, uh, at least on my part, I'm going to speak for myself. This might be a tad bit rocky just because we are trying to do a little bit more of of an outline. I promise once we're about 35 in, we should be almost there. Yeah. And then we'll release it. Episode 36 will actually go live. <laughs> Because I have all these podcasts just sitting in a queue somewhere, <laughs> never to see the light of day because they suck. There are people who are ex- excited to hear this, and we call those people John. <laughs> we call those people Mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, Luke, uh, I'm going to sign us out here. I think we did a good – I think we healed a lot of people. I think we brought truth and goodness and beauty to people's lives. Um, remember, folks, this is about discussion, not instruction. We will um, – we don't know everything about every topic, but we will fake it until we make it. Uh, again, I am a one white male in my 30s who's very handsome talking on a podcast. Luke, you are sort of a white male. Um, mostly the sort of part applies to the male, but uh, in your 30s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How you dealing with that? Are you, you okay with that? Uh, ask me tomorrow. Okay, I will. Um, and so we're going to sign out. Thank you all for listening so, so much. Seriously. Uh, Thank again, you, guys. The, Mm-hmm. Again, the uh, Twitter handle is at C, as in the letter C, Fox's podcast, at C Fox's podcast. Um, we got a handful of people throwing out some good topic ideas, and we just want to add, 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 add to that. Um, and it's going to be epic and awesome and very, very ranty, but not instruction-y. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. God bless. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.